You know what that means. We're back on the stack. Joe and John with you this week inside Performance Pickleball RVA. We have braved the winter slash wet storm uh, that's come through the East Coast, uh, got through that, and we are ready for another great episode here of the stack. Uh, John, how is the week going so far for you? I know we're fully one week into officially being open winter leagues have started the pickleball resolutions right around the corner uh is it chaos or is it controlled chaos there's really no in between right yeah it's controlled chaos at the moment i think that you would get a different answer if you asked tyan win our director of pickleball because i asked him to put online and program nine leagues at once while also running what has become a 400 player max venue tournament and he is handling it all <laughs> exceptionally well in the fashion that he does uh, my strategy has been to just leave him alone and allow him to code as I've come to call it which is bracketing but no yeah we've put a stress test on the facility over the last week or so clearly last Saturday when it was pouring down rain and the first week with memberships and all of those things and people getting acclimated to our sessions was probably the most busy that we've been in terms of just flow through the facility I, I will say that there is some education that needs to happen in terms of what is allowed and what is not allowed in terms of those sessions and, and what I mean by that is when you have different sessions on different courts and I understand that the nature of pickleball is to mix and mix around and all those things at the parks that's great but when you do that here and you just jump from one session to the other it's a chain reaction in terms of you've now left your session you're ruining one other session and then the numbers are off so uh, no ill intent from anybody on that it's just a matter of people understanding that when you do that even for five minutes uh, it throws things off so in order to be efficient you have to kind of be exact uh, and coming out of Saturday I've been very pleased I, th I think people have realized exactly what that is and it's been smooth sailing since that's great and I agree with the uh, with that sentiment from the education standpoint it'll take some time for us to even know the best way to get that information across as well, well I think you know for us it's uh, it's a it's a line, right? We, w we don't want to have to walk around like security guards and <laughs> monitor blocks and be kicking people off courts when sessions end and all those things. That's not at all what uh, we're about personally. You know, we're all nice people, but at the same time, uh, there are people in life, it has nothing to do with performance pickleball or pickleball in general, that when you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Mm -hmm. So you do have to un unfortunately be stern at times. And, um, you know, that's just customer service and uh, human facing businesses that mm -hmm. I've been a part of for the last 25 years. And, you know, uh, it's an inevitable reality. Well, uh, we're going to move on now to the skinny. We're going to continue to uh, bring in some national conversation and see how it affects performance pickleball. Uh, we're talking about us and getting better with relaying information education-wise or people learning new things, uh, way of doing things. Uh, and that brings us to the PPA Masters. And this is always a really interesting time of year because there's been an actual break. People are ready for a professional pickleball to get back. We see new partnerships and we see sometimes new rules and or trial runs of rules. Um, and the biggest difference that we're going to see starting tomorrow, it, it, the tournament's already started, but tomorrow uh, or actually today, excuse me, when the actual podcast comes out will be when the broadcast starts uh, for the Masters uh, round of 16 in, in each division. Um, the progression draw. This is something that they debuted at Nationals last November. 
and apparently it was something that they thought was a hit, and they're going to, the PPA themselves are going to continue to do this for their slams and cups. Uh, head to their website and figure out which events are slams and cups before you show up because it's going to affect the way that the schedule uh, is played out. And I'm just going to give you the really quick overview of what this means. And then, uh, John, if you can, you know, spin your yarn on how it could affect the local style tournaments or if it ever will. So what this progression draw means for those that haven't uh, read up about it, players play one round for each event each individual day. We're talking both men's and women's singles, mixed doubles, men's and women's doubles. So Tuesday of this week, they had qualifiers to determine who made it to the main draw. Uh, and of course, this is the, the, the main pro draw, by the way. This isn't necessarily every PPA uh, level when you go to a tournament if you're not at that professional level. Wednesday was the round of 32. Seeds 9 through 16, along with those who made it through the qualifiers, played. And then today is the round of 16. All seeds play one match per day per event. So if you want to see uh, Catherine Parento, who's my favorite player, play singles today, she's going to play once. And if she wins, she moves on to tomorrow. If she loses, she's done. So make sure you don't miss it if you want to see your favorite player. Tomorrow's quarterfinals matches for all f uh, five events, Saturday semis, and then Sunday uh, the championships as well. Each day it will be singles followed by mixed doubles, men's doubles, women's doubles. Uh, again, so you can help. it can help you kind of uh, determine when you want to tune in. Here's my biggest problem from the PPA uh, PR department stating that the main reason for this progressive draw is it will allow fans to know when their favorite players are playing in each event each day and where they can watch. I personally have never had that issue. I didn't know that was such a big deal. And I think that it is uh, incorrect to state that that is the main reason for this. I don't know what the main reason is for it, uh, truthfully, but I don't think that matters. I think if you're a pickleball fan and you uh, want to watch your favorite player, you're going to figure out when they're playing, uh, you're going to use the power of YouTube to rewind it and go back and watch them uh, win or lose, uh, whatever it might be, whether it's going to be all singles that day uh, or, um, in this case, you know, uh, one round per day, uh, if you will. So that's my spiel. That's the, the way that it's structured. Uh, John, in your opinion, after hearing what it's really about, like it, hate it, does it matter? Is this something that will have any type of trickle-down effect for local tournaments, or it's just not feasible for the way that most smaller tournaments are structured? It's not going to have a trickle-down effect to local tournaments, no doubt about that, just in the fact that your amateur players are not going to, and we've discussed this before, want to spend money on hotel rooms for three or four nights if they're traveling anywhere that's not local, local. Um, nor do they have the time in their personal lives or work schedules or all of those different things with uh, families. So, mm -hmm. no, I couldn't see that happening. However, uh, I will say that the previous model, the Championship Sunday model, is something that I know we're planning on putting in for the Body Armor 804 Open in June because of the, the window for broadcast and all those different things. So there's a lot of factors at play when it comes into that scheduling. 
I like the idea for the players not every week and not every tournament, but in these showcase events to allow the recuperation for their bodies physically and just to re-rack and also to strategize against who they're going to play and break down film and do all those different things. And if that sounds absurd to some in the pickleball community, that's where high-level sports go, and that's what pickleball is becoming. It's going to become an analytics sport very, very soon. You know, this is the percentage rates of the time they cross-court dink versus straight-ahead dink during this spin, during that roll during all those things and yes that sounds clinical but that's the way top level athletics become uh whether or not we like it so uh in terms of the fans only being able to see their favorite players once and if they miss it uh you know that's too bad i I, obviously no one likes that aspect of it you have to be fan friendly but um there's just no way to appease everyone all the time. And I think the PPA has taken some steps to try to make things more competitively friendly to the players. Uh, and I think the players have done a good job voicing what they need in order to do that after a few years where I don't think they were too, too heard. It was, okay, if you don't like it and you're number three in the world, then we'll see what the number four in the world has to say. <laughs> and so they've gotten a little bit of that power back uh, through negotiation and different companies coming around that can also also have voices like Vulcan, who we'll talk to today in that conversation. So is it perfect? No. Uh, Is it something they should do all the time? No. But for the PPA Masters, which I'm exceptionally excited about because you figured out how to put it on our TVs here (laughs) this weekend uh, during our own tournament here in Richmond, yeah, I, I think it. I think it does work. I think you make a great point about the future of pickleball and and where it has been going and where it is now and and our guest today uh lucia DiGiacomo from vulcan she's going to say essentially the same thing about how it's progressed so quickly and it's going to continue to progress and the more competitive it gets you're right analytics have to come into play uh i i think of what i do what i just started this week actually with our own jonathan medina alvarez the digimax program and we're not starting day one with pickleball uh, drills, we're talking about data. We're setting a baseline, and then we're going to look at accuracy numbers. And over time, what, what, do you, what do you actually need to work on? Maybe your, your cross-court backhand dink is great. You're hitting the, the target 80% of the time, but your front hand or your forehand dink is trash, and we need to work on that. Well, you have to keep that data. You have to uh, you know, go with the analytical model. So, yeah, I think that's something that – hasn't really, you haven't had time before to to study a, an opponent uh if you wanted to really know how to game plan you kind of had to take a couple points to figure out okay this is what they're doing so um I, I honestly hadn't thought about that I was just thinking selfishly as a fan but overall big picture I think you, you make a good point that um that's where everything else in pickleball is headed uh so it makes sense that this would be one of the reasons from the player standpoint, that they would do the progressive draw uh, as well. Uh, let's talk about a couple other things that people can look out for this week uh, in the PPA Masters. Last week, uh, we talked about the Tyson McGuffin move from Selkirk to Yola. Deckel Barr is also joining Yola uh, after being like the flagship uh, guy for Engage Pickleball. So that's a, a, a big sweeping change. Those two are going to play together. This week, first time uh, as partners in the men's doubles pairing, two really huge serves uh, that will be actually a little bit more scrutinized with what the PPA is is looking into uh, as far as a trial rule of where the ball needs to drop from. And it feels like they're going, they're leaning so hard on making the drop serve the only serve that you can do because they don't want the serve to become a weapon. 
But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, if you want this to be a competition and, and be competitive, whatever you do, somebody's going to find a way to make something a weapon. So uh, we'll see what they what – w- I'm interested to watch the bar and, and McGuffin for many reasons, but I'm interested to watch that match because I want to see if – Don Stanley comes out and says, "Yo, you know, it's too high. You're 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 releasing that ball too high above the the waist or or something like that." Well, pickleball needs to slow down on <laughs> instituting all these rule changes. They really do. It's there were 92. They're being like very uh, last year. They're being very reactive uh, mm-hmm. in a hurry, and and as I've mentioned on a variety of topics, like this is not the way to do things. Uh, whether that's when you're <laughs> long testing something uh, or just getting yelled at by somebody. Yeah. I'm using real-world examples from performance this week. It but felt personal. It felt personal. Yeah, it is. Um, and it'll feel personal to the people that use that. Um, you know, golf has done that a few times where they didn't like the anchoring of the putter, and they made that change reactively, and that took it out of the hands of some of the top players in the world, and they've never been back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look back on other sports, and pickleball needs to do a little bit more of this, I feel like. Uh, you know, you're doomed to repeat history if you make the same mistakes. And, you know, you look at baseball. There, there was a time when nobody knew how to throw a, throw a curveball. And then when somebody invented it, they didn't say, no, that's illegal. Uh, it was on, The onus was on the hitter to figure it out. Figure and it out. And the sports yep. evolves. So uh, for those that have a big serve and it's not blatantly over the top and it's within the current rules, that to me is on the other players to figure out a way to return and strategize against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not to say that eventually – uh, you don't want to make some tweaks to the rules, but we we've seen this. I think it was a good move to take out the chainsaw serve yes. and then to take away the pre the toss spin uh, and all those things. Those were gimmicks. Those mm-hmm. weren't athletic uh, achievements. Globe trotter stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this is not. You know, this is like I I can go out on the court right now, Joe, and practice serving for the next five days, and there's only a certain level of pace that I can get on it. I don't understand how other people can do. It's the wrist snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have it. They do. And that's their advantage. And like you say, at the end of the day, there's competition, particularly at the top levels. So, mm-hmm. yes, do rules rules tweaks and things need to continue to come in? Sure. But 92? No. No, definitely not. And I, I am so fully in agreement with you uh, on, on that, that service part of – and now all sports of, like, don't d- – the, the governing body doesn't need to make rule changes so that – uh, there's more parity. The players that aren't winning need to make changes themselves, uh, or, or the teams that aren't winning need to make changes themselves uh, to be better, uh, essentially. So that leads us to our line call. Uh, the GM of Vulcan Sporting Goods, Lucia DiGiacomo, was gracious enough to join us before she hopped on a plane and headed to Masters herself. Obviously, it's a big week for them. They're debuting their ball in a professional format for everyone to see. But one thing I'm going to say before we start this uh, interview is uh, I I did listen to um, the the Dink podcast with Zane Navratil uh, and Thomas Shields, and Zane made a good point. He said, we needed something new. It really didn't matter in, in his opinion, who it was, but the sport has changed so much and we've had the same ball for the entire time uh, that it did t- it just didn't make a lot of sense. And, and Lucia says, you know, s- similar things uh, in this, but they saw the opportunity to jump on uh, this bigger plan of becoming an official uh, ball of a particular division. And I'm excited to see how it does and the conversation around it and just once the masters is over will it still be a hot button topic or will it be a we got a good ball guys we're done talking about the ball because it's great 
It absolutely won't be that, and you know that <laughs> is the case. Uh, well, without further ado, here is Lucia DiGiacomo, uh, GM of Vulcan Sporting Goods, on the line call. Settle in, relax. Give me a call. All right, it is line call time here on the stack, and it has been a huge couple of weeks for one of our primary partners, Vulcan. Now the official ball of the PPA Tour, and we have Vulcan's Pickleball General Manager, Lucia DiGiacomo, with us. Lucia, first of all, I know it's been a tiring stretch for you, but also a huge one in terms of Vulcan's Pickleball direction. Thanks for being with us. Take us through the last few weeks and months. Uh, what has it been like down there? Yeah, thanks for having me, John. Um, you know, we were so intentional about keeping this quiet. Uh, the pickleball world, I think, in general is known for uh, talking a lot. And that's a great kind of fun aspect of the pickleball community in general. But we were really, really careful um, making sure that we kept this really quiet. And PPA did the same. Um, when this was announced, there were a couple of rumors that had been out beforehand, but not many people believed it even. Um, and so it was a little bit shocking, I think, for most of the world when it was finally officially announced that we were the ball and that was the plan. Um, and we're so glad that we were able to pull that off. Um, I don't know if you, if you knew this, but we actually, we didn't even have the ball launched yet. Um, so this, like this initial release last week, this is the first time that our ball's hitting the market. Um, now we did a lot of a lot of research there were you know we've been developing this for over a year um, tons of testing was done um, both on the the amateur side as well and especially the professional side um, we were sending the ball to to several several pros um, and then of course um, people that are really reliable in um, gauging how a ball should and could be made. Pickleball Central, John Kelly at Pickleball Central and some, some testing facilities that they have, they were integral in that. Um, and then PPA as well as we were going through, they, as they were going through, through the selection process, they were trying balls and they wanted to select the best ball. Um, and I think actually John Cowley at Pickleball Central, he just released a video yesterday, maybe the day before talking about our ball and doing a review. And um, he's told me multiple times, and I'm, I haven't even watched the full thing yet, but our ball plays, he believes, the closest to the Dura. Um, and so what we wanted to do is take the aspects, the good aspects of that previous ball and marry it with some new, better, you know, aspects. And um, one of the reasons that we hadn't released a ball to the market yet is we didn't want to bring something that wasn't an improvement to the pickleball world. Um, there are a lot of a lot of brands that have balls and some good balls, but why bring another good ball when it's just another ball? We wanted to do something that was different and special, and um, and I think that that we created that, and it was um, it was a long and kind of stressful journey, especially the last couple months, but it's been so worth it. That's awesome, Lucia, and you mentioned it right there. You hadn't debuted the ball yet before the announcement, and then, of course, the announcement comes, and everyone says, when can I get the ball? I want the ball, because everybody follows, of course, what their favorite professional players are doing, hence the partnership in the first place. But go into the weeds a little bit on that for people. I understand it as a vendor. You can't set up and pay for distribution lines and do all of that before you knew that that partnership was in place, correct? Yeah, exactly. So that's that has been the aspect that I think people haven't understood. Um, 
when we were developing this ball, we had the mindset that I already spoke of, which is we wanted to bring a ball to market that was actually going to be an asset that was going to be a difference and that was going to be a benefit to the pickleball world. And this was done before we ever had the partnership with PPA in place, right? So um, we got our initial quantities in and we got, you know, the ball that we were happy with bringing to market. And then simultaneously, as we've already, as we placed that first order, just to, to cover what um, we thought normal demand would be, for Vulcan bringing a ball to market. Um, that's when we start the discussions with PPA, which is later later in 23 um, towards the fall. And so by the time all of that was solidified, we just didn't have time to get more get more inventory in place. Um, and that that was just kind of that was just part of it, you know. Everything is so fluid, it's so moving, and it really moves very quickly in the pickleball world. Everything evolves um, kind of in real time. Um, we're, we're a young sport, but we're maturing. And part of that is just, I think, growing pains. And so, yeah, it wasn't this intentional thing that was like, let's have a limited, you know, a limited release and, um, let's tease the market. That's not at all what it was. It was, we're going to, we have what we have and we're going to do the best we can with it. Um, and because of the partnership with PPA and which we're, we're so happy about, obviously there's been a much higher demand than what we were initially, um, stocked for. Uh, when it comes to the uh, process of obviously having to develop the ball and you want to go down this route, why why now? What did you guys see that thought that, that told you we should, you know, not necessarily shift focus, but we should add a focus to a ball? We've, we've already got a really good hold on paddles and bags and other accessories. Why now for uh, developing a ball for pickleball? Yeah, so I think we started to notice a couple things. Um, first of all, we're really lucky to have two great pros, Jay Davillier and Tyler Loong, on the Pro Tour. Um, they have they have a really good insight, of course, into what's going on um, in that world. And then, of course, all of us here. I mean, we we all love the sport, and we actually do play, and we pay attention. And so, I think we noticed a couple things, which goes into the develop, development of this ball. Um, first of all, I think we all know that the sport has really changed drastically in the last couple of years, even the last twelve months. I mean, you go back and look at footage on YouTube from two years ago, and the sport looks very different than it looks today. Much slower. Um, a lot more, you know, cat and mouse, a lot more long dink rallies, third shot drops. Um, the things that all attracted us to pickleball in the first place, right? But there's this cool new aspect that's hit the sport where you have all these tennis players coming in, tons of drives, tons of speed, tons of power. And it's changed the sport quite a bit. Um, and I think that's, that's fun, the hand battles and all the speed ups, that's really fun and that's really cool. Um, and that's not just due to the new players that are coming in, that's also due to the paddle technology. Paddles have changed a lot. And um, so I think one of the things that we noticed is that the previous ball was really well suited to the previous game and the previous paddle technology. The sport, the way that it's played has changed, the paddle technology has changed, and I think that means we can't just leave the ball the same either, right? We have to make some changes to that. So we wanted to create something that played the way, that, that benefited the way that the sport is played now. It benefits the technology of the paddles now. And <clears throat> one of the things that we think that does is in these, you know, these hand battles, especially these firefights, 
it allows the the player that should win the point to win the point. It's not just who has the most power, the hottest paddle, who um, happens to get lucky. It's about reflexes. It's, it allows the point to play out the way that it should be played out. Um, it stays in round better. Um, it's more consistent. Um, one of the things that we've noticed with the ball, which I, I think is kind of interesting, is there's um, a break-in period where uh, you play with the ball for like the first 15 minutes and it feels like it's going out of round, but then it like adjusts itself and it gets back in round within 15 or 20 minutes. And we've noticed that and that's kind of cool. And after that, that first initial break in period, the ball actually plays really, really consistently. Um, it still, it remains fast. Um, it doesn't get soft, but it also doesn't crack. Um, it's going to last longer than some previous balls. Um, and I, I think we, we noticed that, well, the things that I mentioned, it needed to evolve because the sport and the, the other technologies evolved and it needed to evolve because we wanted something that lasted a little bit longer but played the way that, that the sport should be played. Lucia DiGiacomo, general manager of Pickleball with Vulcan, our good friends, of course. Vince is the man. Uh, Long-lasting relationship with Lee Warfield, our leader here at Performance. Uh, Lucia, you know, I think in Pickleball, as you mentioned, it's evolving in real time. We've discussed that so many very times on this podcast. And we all got into pickleball at some point for the community aspect of it and being able to be competitive at things. But the bottom line is, as any business, it's a competition. And, of course, Selkirk and Yola have done a tremendous job. We have great partnerships with them as well. Uh, but this is a competition, and it's a fast-paced one right now, which is exhilarating uh, for people that share our personality type. The simple question is, what does this mean for Vulcan in terms of being one of the big-time players in pickleball? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I think here at Vulcan, we are of the mindset that there's room for, for us. Do we need all of these brands that are, well, brands, these things that are popping up on Amazon? You know, the market gets flooded with approval. You can check the USAP approval list, and it's, you know, like in the hundreds. There's not space for that, and that won't last long. But there is absolutely space for a few top brands, and and that's good. That's that's healthy competition. That's good for the market. That's that's good for the consumer because then they have variety to go where they feel most comfortable to have brand, um, you know, loyalty and alliance. And um, so we really support that, and we're happy with that. We have, I think, even good professional um, and even sort of friendly relationships with with these other brands, and and we, you know, we're okay with that. I think the cool thing about this for us is that it allows us to have our own space at, at, at the top of the market without cutting into anybody else in some areas. But then a really cool thing about this is it allows us to focus on paddle technology and really do well with a line of paddles because it's almost like the ball can kind of be on autopilot now a little bit. And I mean that kind of figuratively, but it allows us to have that market. So now it allows us to put our passion into some paddles. We have some really exciting paddles that are going to come out in February. Jay and Tyler are dev testing those right now. Um, they're going to soft launch in February and then release fully in April. Um, so we're really excited about how it kind of, we always will have that standing on the ball side. And so now it allows us to really, um, do some fun things with with the paddle market. I think it allows for a really healthy 
as you said, competitive dynamic and, and um, relationship in the market share. Rising tide raises all boats, as they say. Uh, Lucia Giacomo. All right, we're going to get you out of here on this one because I know you're on your way to the airport to head to PPA Masters for the debut of this ball. It's going to be a huge week yep. continuing for Vulcan. But i got to ask the question from the player's perspective and from mine uh, as a tournament operator, what is the realistic timeline for them to get the ball in their hands and play with it recreational and in regional and local tournament play? Um, well, I mean, technically you can find the ball right now on VulcanSportingGoods.com. So you can go, you know, get it there if you, if you want it, um, on short notice and just to try. But then as far as getting, um, getting tournament directors and facilities stocked, we will actually, uh, have all pre-booking orders, um, pr process, the process for pre-booking, uh, completed by January 16th. So if you're a, um, a dealer or a tournament director and you're interested, then reach out to us and we'll have all that information for you by January 16th. Um, the reality of the balls actually getting in hand once they have been pre-ordered is uh, going to be early March. You know, we, we launched on Wednesday of last week and, or I'm sorry, Thursday. Um, and we have exceeded expectations so i would assume that once we start taking pre-orders for for that stock that we have coming in that's going to go pretty quickly too so um we're going to have them coming in regularly but we we're just really excited about the demand that's here we're, we're overwhelmed and thankful um that it is here so yeah if you're interested in that reach out to us by the end of this month we'll get you set up with an account and we'll figure out how to get these balls in place for you and we're gonna um to speak to tournament directors we're gonna have some awesome um, buying programs and some institutional programs to make sure that your tournament um, can be stocked. You know, we we want to create a, a dynamic that tournament directors want to use our ball, not only because it's the ball of the Pro Tour, but because it makes sense for them to use. Heck yeah. Exciting news all the way around. Lucia, uh, thank you so much for your time and for adding validity to some things I hear on other podcasts with other uh, non-Vulcan athletes talking about we need a change. We need, you know, the, the sport has changed. The ball needs to change. So you guys as marketing directors are doing a great job telling the players the right things. They're buying into it as well. Uh, and you do a great job also. I, I don't know if anybody tells you this enough, but in uh, post-match interviews and handing out the trophies, excellent. So please, <laughs> please continue to, to bring some life to that because some people just don't take advantage of the moment of being on camera and enjoying themselves, and you do a great job. Thank so. you. Thank you so much. That's kind. You're, you're very, very welcome. Thank you for your time uh, here on the podcast, and uh, safe travels to, to Masters. Uh, safe travels to you there. Uh, we look forward to seeing what else Vulcan has to offer throughout the year. Thank you guys so much. It's been awesome. Um, yeah, tune in to Masters. We're super excited. It's going to be a fun year for us all. Once again, a big performance. Thank you to Lucia DiGiacomo of Vulcan. We hope that she had a safe trip down or over, I should say, to PPA Masters and that uh, we all look forward to seeing how things go, of course, this week with the PPA. Let's move on to our game point. It's time to wrap up the show and look ahead to things taking place here at Performance Pickleball. We talked about the Winter Leagues to start the show. Those are in full swing, uh, including right now when we're recording this uh, podcast. Um, but let's look to the Pickleball Resolution. It starts tomorrow, and we've got three days of action here inside Performance Pickleball, the first tournament in this environment. Uh, it's the first tournament where we're going to have the wheelchair accessible uh, hybrid divisions as well. I don't think that's ever been done, or at least you know, not to this scale. Uh, so when you're, John, when you look at how things have transpired since we've opened and the play and people you know, talking about playing in here and, 
the structure of having a full-fledged tournament in here. What have been the, without actually starting the tournament yet, the foreseeable biggest challenges and, and also what do you think the biggest benefits will be to having it in here? The biggest challenges are just the out-of-court space, right? When you're outside and you're at a park, you've got, let's just take Pouncey, you've got tons of grassy areas and people can spread out and all of those things. Uh, and we have a nice grassy area outside, which will eventually be our outdoor courts. But in January, people aren't going to want to hang out there. So it's just going to be, you know, what is the traffic flow? The, the play is not at all a concern. Obviously, we have the courts and we have the schedule, and Tyen's done a tremendous job bracketing it, as is always the case with him. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, in between games, where is that traffic going to settle? How are we going to move them about uh, in an efficient manner? But that leads us to the positive side. Some of the struggles that you have in an outdoor environment when you don't have the audio capabilities more so than the video capabilities is how are we letting people know what courts they're on, text messages, but I'm wearing athletic shorts and I don't have my phone and it's in my bag and all those different things. Uh, that goes away here because, of course, we can reach anybody at any time in the facility uh, through our microphones and our speakers and our zone-controlled audio um, and all those things from a television production standpoint or a streaming production standpoint standpoint that's going to be straight up awesome because we didn't have to build scaffolding and do odd angles to come over the top of fences it, it will look and sound uh, much like you see when you're watching the tours uh, at least that's my expectation mm -hmm. uh, and you and I are doing the call so that's <laughs> both of our expectations <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, a lot of that stress goes away and then the stress becomes the entire facility it's a stress test for in a good way for our staff and for um, just the general flow of, of what we do. There'll, there'll never be a time where there's more people in here because we legally can't from our <laughs> capacity limits. Um, and we'll keep it under there, Fire Marshal, if you're listening and you're a pickleball <laughs> person. Um, so you need that, I believe, early on in a business. We saw a little bit of it last Saturday. Was I thrilled with all of the results of that and the way that things were handled, including from myself? No. Um, but... Um, you have to get back in the arena, so to speak. Um, and so I know Christina Shiflett, I know Tyann Wynn, I know myself, I know you, I know Renee, I know uh, all our entire team is looking forward to putting our best foot forward, welcoming the pickleball community and knocking their socks off. Amen. Hallelujah. I could not agree more. Uh, looking forward to everything that it has to offer this weekend. And you mentioned the broadcast. If you're not able to make it, uh, for any reason, you can tune in uh, at least to the later rounds of each day uh, on our YouTube channel. PPBRVA is where you can find the live streams there. I'm going to schedule them today so you can actually notify yourself. You can click on the Notify Me button, and it will tell you that the stream is live. So you'll know while you're at work, okay, well, the boss isn't around. I can watch this instead of doing uh, what I'm supposed to be doing. Hey, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well, PPBRVA, uh, for all the updates uh, on anything that is coming your way inside Performance Pickleball here in Richmond. And if you're listening on Spotify, scroll down on this episode and check in with our poll. To, uh, we'd love to see uh, what you guys think uh, about weekly topics. It's not always performance-specific. Sometimes it's uh, random, you know, national question uh that we'd like to you know see where you where you stand on uh we did <coughs> get a hundred percent of people agree last week over the last two weeks actually uh with the same question is it zero zero two or zero zero start and all six of you said zero zero two so there you go you're in the minority if you say zero zero start 
Um, just hit the ball and start the game. According Don't worry to about it. <laughs> Here it goes. Don't even call out the score. Just <laughs> yeah. say, get ready. Bam. Everyone should know that it's 0-0. Zero, zero they should point. know. But, hey, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for interpretation on the court. Also, real quick, just a random. Have we? Do we have a house rule on which side serves yes, first Yes, we do. Okay. In fact, uh, it's the perimeter of the fence. Uh, perimeter so of the fence. So if you are on our stadium courts, get your stadium courts. The closest to the door would serve. The fence goes around mm-hmm. the structure, and then obviously that doesn't uh, encompass courts 9 and 10. Left side serves first there. Left side as you're looking? In from the doors. From the doors. So make this overly complicated. Looking at yeah. ortho? Yes. To the left. Got it. Okay. I just, you know, for my own for my own sake, I'm just curious as well. Uh, okay. Let's wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. Look forward to bringing you more great content here on The Stack, wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back next week. Uh, same time, same location. Until then, I'm Joe. He's John. Take it easy.